0: Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Hello, and welcome back to the Shepherd's Crook. hope you guys are all doing well today. want to remind you of the sponsor of the month, which is Origin USA. They're a company out of Maine, and they're doing phenomenal things to keep things, everything they do, in-house in the United States. They're sourcing all their materials, making all their products right here in America, and they are making phenomenal products. We have a giveaway with them. It's a jeans hoodie combo set, and you can sign up. Just check it out on Instagram, and you can sign up that way also on Gab. But I love what the company's doing because real practically, building things in America, local and in our country, are really critical. And the more that we can source here in this nation, the more it is helpful for people that actually live here. And the less dependent we, we become upon the manufacturing, the building, the making, the sourcing of, of things from all over the world. And we are more and more and more independent as things used to be. I love American-made products and I really love what this company's doing. So you want to check out origin and all that they're making building and uh, and they got some really cool stuff so you got to check it out they got some really great camo as well so they got casual wear camo gear uh, they also have some stuff for jiu Jitsu and other things so you just want to check that out just follow the links in the show notes and you can check that company out and sign up for the giveaway it'll all be in the links okay today we're going to talk about the book of Hebrews chapter 13 and we're going to look at some passages about pastoral ministry and within the commands to members church members to remember their leaders or obey their leaders there are also commands and expectations that are there upon the elders. So I want to talk about that, think through that. And what we're going to do is lay out a two-part series this week. We're going to talk about leaders and wielding power as elders in a way that's honorable to God, that authority doesn't mean control. We're going to look at that here in a minute. But then next week, we're going to consider why it is that pastors, as uh, the writer of Hebrews, appeals to the members of churches to pray for them, that they would have a clear conscience and that they would act honorably in all things. Why is that prayer there uh, and so needed for pastors. And why is it so difficult then for pastors to endure ministry over the long haul and enjoy it and be healthy and then actually finish well? And so we're going to look at the problem of of moral failure in pastoral ministry next week. But today we're going to talk about wielding uh, control in the proper way. Let's go and ask for the Lord's help and pray and trust that he's going to give it. So Father, we just thank you for this time. God, you've given pastors power. We have real authority. And I pray that you would help us to wield that power Take that authority that you've given us and use it for the care of the souls of the people you've entrusted to us. Help us to do that all under the banner of Jesus, who's the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and God, help us to be faithful under shepherds. I trust you're going to help. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, for Christchurch Carbondale listeners, you guys, uh, this material, I've been working through the book of Hebrews, and so this is familiar, and yesterday I just preached on the second part of what I'm going to get to here in just a minute, so this is all going to be just really fresh to you, and... And yet, uh, hopefully, as you listen again, maybe you can pick up on something this time that you didn't get the last couple weeks or something. But primarily, what we're doing is we're looking at these commands to church members. And you see it in verse 7, chapter 13, verse 7, and in verse 17. Here's what it says. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then secondly, obey your leaders and submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Primarily, these are commands to church members and what church members are to do with their elders. Now, within our polity and understanding of, of biblical ecclesi- ecclesiology, elders are church members as well. So within a plurality of elders, elders are also members. We wear these two hats of members, elders. And so there's a uniqueness that comes to, to us as pastors as we're trying to be faithful church members and faithful shepherds as well. Meaning I have pastors and I have an obligation to remember when I hear remember your leaders, I also have leaders as an elder, Uh, as one who speaks the word of God to the people of God. I also have people that I'm looking to that are my elders. But clearly, this is to church members telling them to remember their leaders and then imitate their faith. If there is a faith to imitate, it means that elders have to be living in such a way that others around them can replicate what they're doing. They're looking at the outcome of the faith of the elders, and then they're following in the footsteps think this, follow me as I follow Christ. And this is what church members are obligated to do with their elders. In this first passage, imitate their faith. Consider the outcome of their way of life. And this is a real challenge to pastors to be living in such a way, not that we're experts in everything, but we have to be living in such a way where other people can look at us and say, you know what, their their outcome, what's happening, because of the way they're living their life, as they're walking in tune with the Holy Spirit, as they're seeking to obey the Lord in all of life, They're the kind of men that we want to replicate. This is the kind of man that we want to be. And sadly, I think this is an area that pastors can grow in, is, is that we become very narrow in our way of living to where living the way a, a pastor lives is not really replicable because nobody wants to live that way. And the kind of men that we want to be, the kind of uh, pastors that we want to be, the kind of servant servants that we want to be, the kind of shepherds that we want to be, we want to have the authority that God has given us and live in such a way that other men around us are saying, okay, I want to live like my pastor. That's how I want to live. I want to imitate his life because the way he's living his life, it's it's reflected in joy in his family. It's reflected in a, a, a quality of life that we want for ourselves. It doesn't mean that the pastor's life is perfect. It doesn't mean that the pastor isn't going to other members and learning everything that he can from other members. That's a part of the way he's living. That's a part of what they should be uh, learning and picking up from is the humility of the pastor who has the willingness to go and learn from other men from other people. and So the first command here in this section to church members requires something from elders and it requires that we live the quality of life that God would have us live and that other people can replicate. And so pastor, just be thinking about that in the way, just considering your life, is the outcome of your life something that other people would want or is it something that, that other people would want to run from? And if it's something that other people would want to run from, in time, people will. So do all you can to live the best life that you can possibly live in honor of the Lord. Now, verse 17 talks about the authority that pastors have and the obligation that church members have to follow that authority. Here's what it says. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those will have to give an account. Now, authority and submission are everywhere in life. I just finished uh, reading Jocko Willink's book. If you just re- uh, remember the episode I did with, with Foster last week, Michael Foster mentioned the book Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and by Leif, uh, some, I forget, Leif, it starts with a B. But I picked it up off my shelf. I had bought it it last year. Just hadn't read the book yet. And So I just read it. And in so many ways, it was helpful. I'm not a leadership book guy. Never have been. But this book was interesting because really all it was, if you boil it down to the basics of what the book was about, it was about federal headship and it was about self-control or self-discipline, self-mastery is what everybody calls it today, self-control. It is taking responsibility for those under your charge taking responsibility for everything you can possibly take responsibility for and seeing that it's not just you that you have obligations to it's not just your work that matters it's those that are under your care that matter as well and if things aren't going well with anything that's happening under your authority under your sphere of authority then you've got to take extreme ownership and recognize it's not their fault it's my responsibility and then secondly self-control you got to take extreme ownership over your own life and live in such a way that you are disciplined in all of life okay so that's that, that's really what the book is about but it's fascinating in that book that has been met with rave reviews out in the world just get on amazon and see what extreme ownership reviews look like and it's fascinating because the book throughout the book is talking about authority and submission it's talking about subordinates and the and inferiors or it's talking about it's talking about those who are in authority and subordinates which you would think would be pushed back against, and from uh, from what the reviews show, the world just essentially knows that authority and submission are necessary for things to function in a proper way. There's always going to be those that are in authority, and always they're going to be those that are in, in subordination. In fact, the book used the word uses the word subordinates, which is interesting. Now, business books and the church are two different things, two different animals. The church is not a business. Okay, you guys get that, and if you think it is, then it really takes a, a really wise person to be able to take business principles and apply them in the church in a way that's faithful. Because the scriptures have laid out for us what we are to be and do in pastoral ministry and what the church should look like. So you've got to be really, really careful when you take a business model and apply anything to the church. Because what can end up happening is you begin to function in a way that's not faithful to the scriptures. But it's clear that authority and submission are required. And then we get a passage like this, and it's and it's also, and it's equally clear, it's clearer that church members are to follow or obey the authority of their elders. And we have to ask what that means, because when we think about control or authority, we've seen so many situations, pastors, I mean, you might have actually fallen into this, where you've not used control or you've not used authority in the way God would have you. You've actually seen it as a ticket for control, and you've hurt people or abused people. This is what happened with Driscoll, right? Right. It was authority that turned into control. It was an abuse of power. And elders are to be the kind of men that aspire to the office of overseer, not for the sake of the power that's there, but they aspire to the office of overseer as it's a humble ambition. It's a godly ambition. It's not a selfish ambition. And if you bring selfish ambition to the, to the, to the elder chair, what ends up happening is you use that authority to control people's lives rather than to serve, love, lead people in a way that's honorable. Rather than using your authority for good, you use it for your good and end up abusing people. Now, I, I appeal to this book that was written by Howard Hendricks, and it was written about, I don't know, 30 or 40 years ago. And I think it's got some insight that's helpful to, do, to notice the difference between authority and control. Let me just uh, quote 1 Corinthians 16 first because I think Paul gives a really good example of this is that authority is not control and then I want to appeal to the proper time that members are going to obey their elders. Here's what Paul says to Apollos in 1 Corinthians 16:12. here's what he says. Now consider now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with all the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come to you now. He will come when he has opportunity. Paul didn't require Apollos to go to Corinth. He didn't demand it. He appealed to Apollos and Apollos had the liberty to say, no, I'm not doing that. That's not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I'm going to stay here. And when I have time, Paul, then I'm going to go. The Apostle Paul had authority, real authority as as an apostle. But he didn't use that authority to make demands from Apollos. Apollos still had control in his life. the the kind of control we're talking about here that's healthy, where he is submitting to the Lord, he's praying to the Lord, and he's still making his own decision in his life. This was not an issue of soul care that Paul was directing Apollos in. This is an area of decision-making in his life. Now, this book, Iron Sharpens Iron, lays out I think a really great case study and i'm just going to read it for you follow along and then we'll wrap things up here's what it says one final way to test whether your mentor is exerting too much control over you is to ask yourself whether you can regain control whenever you wish if you can you're okay if you can't you need to reevaluate the friendship or the the mentorship when bill was in college he had a friend who was participating in a group sponsored by a particular parachurch ministry one spring break this group decided to hold an event designed for evangelistic outreach as the, as the holiday approached, Bill asked his friends what his plans were. Well, I'd like to go home, the young man said. In fact, I need to go home. He then described a serious situation that had come up in his family. Yeah, it sounds like you need to be there, Bill said. But I don't know if I can, the friend replied, much to Bill's surprise. He then explained that one of his leaders in the parachurch group, a man who had spent a lot, quite a bit of time working working with him, was urging him to stick around and participate in the outreach event. He, the leader, says that staying around for this event is kind of a test of my commitment to Christ. Bill's friend told him, If I go home, it's like I'm making my family more important than Christ. That's an awful lot of control for one man to exert over another. Probably too much. You can X out probably. That's what I said to our church yesterday. X out probably. It's too much. Because the fellow virtually lost his freedom. He was no longer given given the right to choose his priorities and to make his plans. They were essentially being made for him. Bill told him as much and warned him to rethink that mentorship relationship. And I think Howard Hendricks is absolutely right. We're talking about... Authority that we have real authority the text directs us to the kind of authority we're talking about here obey your leaders and submit to them for They are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account pastors There's this scrutiny that God will judge us with that is in greater detail It's greater scrutiny than God will judge anybody else. I don't exactly know how this works But James chapter 3 verse 1 says not many of you should presume to be teachers brothers because you know, know That those who teach will be judged with greater strictness the pastor has a promise from God That we should not enter into this lightly because we're going to have stricter judgment than everybody else. And church members need to know that. They need to hear that. That God will judge us for what we say and what we do in our life as pastors. Not just as men of God, not just as men who are justified before the Lord, we are fully and equally justified as everybody is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet there's some layer of judgment that's going to come our way. And members need to know that. And pastors need to know that. So what we do with the authority God has given us really matters. The text says, keeping watch over your souls. And this is what I told our church yesterday, and I think is really critical. Pastors have this authority given to us and 2 Timothy and in Titus, pastoral epistles, it's laid out a little bit more. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience in the teaching. Those are all authoritative statements. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Titus, he says, declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. There's that authority word. We have real authority. Let no one disregard you. And yet, Paul just appealed to Apollos. So when we talk about the authority we have, we got to think about the spiritual aspects of somebody's soul. Now, if somebody comes to you and they are in sin, you need to know that you have the authority to tell them, here's what you have to do right now. Here's what you have to do. This is how you have to reconcile. This is what you have to do. You gotta turn from your sins. You gotta repent. God's word is clear, and you need to make this action step immediately. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till the next day. You need to, Pastor, authoritatively speak to that church member. And church members are then obligated to obey that direction under the scriptures, the authority of God's word. They are to command they are commanded to obey their leaders. That's the kind of authority that we have when it comes to soul care. When somebody in our church we find out is reading a book that they shouldn't be reading, or listening to a podcast that's not helpful, or doing something that's nefarious out there, or finding out that they have stolen from somebody, we should know that we have the authority to go to them and tell them, command them what they need to do to do things in a way that would honor the Lord, to make sure they don't shipwreck their faith. Members then are obligated when they get that sort of soul care counsel from their pastors to say, okay, that's what I need to do. That's exactly what God has called me to do. I will do that. But when we hear authority and we see obey your leaders, pastors have to know, just like I told them, it's funny, um, in marriage when God speaks to women, the wives, the husbands are listening in. And when God speaks to the husbands, the wives are listening in. And the challenge in marriage is hearing what God says to you and obeying that. So my ears are tuned in to what God has called husbands to do and be, so I'm going to do that my two wives, your ears must be tuned into what God has called you to do and be. Same thing with church members and elders. If the elder hears everything that the, the members are supposed to do, o- obey your leaders, and they're thinking, I wish my church would do that. I wish my people would do that. They need to obey me more. Okay, there's something that's probably off. If the church members are hearing. Um, if, if they're hearing, uh, you know, live your, your life in a manner and they're only critiquing and judging their elders rather than ever actually obeying and they're trying to wiggle out of this responsibility they have to obey them in the area of soul care well then there's something wrong with that and the challenge is pastors wield the authority the way God would have you and members obey your leaders as God would have you and friends there's this amazing symbiotic nature to this in the church when this is happening in a right and good way my goodness pastor isn't it great when church members are not uh, causing you to shepherd in a way that causes you to groan, but they're letting you shepherd in a way that's joyful. That's what the text says, also in Hebrews thirteen. And when you're in a situation where church members are healthy and they love you, and, <clears throat> and you know they're praying for you, which is what we're going to look at next week. My goodness, things are amazing, and I'm so thankful for pastoral ministry in that way. Okay, pastors, wield wield authority well. Don't lord it over people. Church members, if you're listening in, make sure and obey your leaders and submit to them as those who will have to give an account. Thanks so much for listening. If you guys haven't yet, please consider. You know, look, I, I uh, see how many people listen to this. I don't have a huge audience, but one of the ways that this can grow, an easy way that this can grow, is just go ahead and hit and pause. Hit a like, uh, or share, the, uh, share the, uh, the episode or an episode that's been helpful for you. Leave a rating review on iTunes. That apparently helps with the algorithms. Uh, I can't even say the word, algorithms. And if you could do that, it would be great help. Thanks so much for continuing to come back. I really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day.